Welcome down to another North Star Community Podcast Recap. I am Scott, the Associate Pastor at North Star Community. I am Teresa, the Co-Pastor here at North Star Community. (laughs) We're feuding again, are we? We are. We're feuding. We're (laughs) feuding about our job title names. That's funny. Um, Yeah, so if if, for those of you who are new or who just don't pay attention uh, because it's too subtle uh, to be all that funny to you, I like to call myself the associate pastor. She calls us co-pastors. We're feuding. We're in a feud. We're in a feud. Sometimes I'm going to win. Sometimes we go with her way. Sometimes we go with my way. Mm-hmm. All right. We are recapping a message from late July in our series on First John. Um, you delivered the message. I did. And I wasn't there on Saturday night because I was attending my Father's Day present, which was a podcast a live taping of a podcast, which your generation seems to think is absolutely insane. It is insane. Um, just listen to the podcast. But, uh, Don't attend a live taping of it. That's just <laughs> I'm, at, I'm, I'm at the tail end of the millennials, I guess, or the, is it the tail end? No, I guess the, be, the you're beginning. At the, you're at the very beginning. Yeah. The edge of the beginning. Yeah. So to me, going to a live taping of a podcast is just... Fun. Totes normsies, as the kids say. Well, what was the podcast? How did this get made? So oh, a, I do like that podcast. Really? Yeah. What did you? What did they tape? What was the subject? Um, I don't know. I think you're probably mistaken, and you may you may realize that you may. So this is a podcast about how do bad movies get made? So they watch a horrific. No, movie. that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, you were thinking of like. There was a podcast. How stuff gets made, or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or I think That's it's a show, but like how you make interesting products. I don't think or whatever. there's anything stupider than attending a live taping of a podcast that's talking about how movies get made. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it's not how it's not the process of making them. It's like this movie's so bad. How did this get made? And they just kind of make fun of it the whole uh, time. Okay. So well, we watched. I a, can see it. A really horrific movie from the 70s called Star Crash. It was maybe David Hasselhoff's first movie. Ooh. And he gets, I think he gets top billing. And I don't he, think he, he got better up. with age either, did he? Uh, well, anything he did was better than this. Oh, so, gosh. And uh, he got like top billing, but doesn't even show up until like 45 minutes into the movie. Ooh. It's really wild. That's crazy. Um, anyway, it was like a really, really bad version of Star Wars. We got like, to babysit baby Nora so that she could go do that, though. So you just go to see as many podcasts as you'd like. Yes. So anyway, while I was at the podcast, apparently you were here making everybody cry. Well, it, was, a, it even... was emotional on Saturday night. We right, bonded well, over our suffering. Well, tell me, let's let's dive into that. What, um, what do you think happened on Saturday night um, that made it so emotional, and how did it what uh, what elements of what you were talking about do you feel like drew that out of people? I'm not so sure that it was the elements of what we were talking about, although I will get to that, and I think that's partially it, obviously. But I think what really happened to us Saturday night was that we're a small community that is very humble, as in... People, we like, we in the community like the inside joke, we're not much of a church, right? Right. And um, no one feels insulted by that. I mean, we're just a very humble, small little community. I mean, um, 
if we tried to sell tickets to our podcast taping, it wouldn't go so well, would it? No, probably not. But the thing of it is, is the beauty of our community is that we really know each other. Mm-hmm. And we really are a church in recovery. And you can't be a church in recovery and not have had the opportunity to know each other's stories, the good, the bad, the ugly. So I think what happened Saturday night was this um, beautiful mix of shared suffering in the room that everybody knew was true from the opening question. So my opening question was, what uh, things do you worry about Um, breaking in terms of commandments or right actions or beliefs or whatever that you think might make you a person who lives in darkness. Because we've been doing this contrast in the series between light and dark. Right. And we've said over and over and over again, light and dark don't overlap. Mm -hmm. Darkness is hostility towards God. And light is people who have chosen to be in a certain course certain path, and they are people that still make mistakes. Yep. So I said, what scares you that you're in the darkness? And then in keeping with being a community that expects all of us to name our stuff, I said that what really concerned me was an estranged relationship I have where I had to um, cut off contact with someone I deeply love. Yep. And uh, I have a sore throat, and I'm a little emotional, so that's why I sound a little crazy voice-wise right now. But, um, you know, I talked about how um, very often I ask myself the question, do I violate the commandment, love one another, by being estranged in any relationship? Right. Is love unconditional? Uh, is, is being a follower of Jesus mean that I have the capacity to uh, love unconditionally and never have a broken or an estranged relationship? Right, yes. What To what... Uh... What is the furthest extent to which that would apply? Yeah. So my point was in this is that these are good questions to ask ourselves. And um, that in point of fact, asking these questions is probably an indicator that you're on the path, right? Yeah. People in the dark don't ask these questions. People in the dark... um, don't stay awake at night wondering if they are violating God's commandments. So um, that's how we started off. And then in true North Star fashion, that began a lot of conversation because people actually answered the question for themselves. Yeah, so adding, let me let me jump in real quick to add to that because I, I think that um, just to keep people from being too anxious throughout the rest of this, I mean, I think what we've always said is that your responsibility is to try. Right. You know, you you try to do the best you can and be willing to, and I think this is true of you, which is why I'm saying it, but it's like I have no doubt uh, 
that if and when you quote unquote meet your maker, he says, you got that wrong, you would repent. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Like right. you're, you're, I, I think you're a person who's like, this is the path that I have chosen, but you, and you recognize it as a choice and you recognize that it could possibly be the wrong one. And I would bet that you pray and say something like, please forgive me if I've chosen the wrong path. Yeah. And in so doing. Yes, that's true. Um, I think, you know, I think that's kind of the best we can do. And it's very earnest, right? And I think this is the part where it would be difficult. You know, I know for you because I know you well that it's earnest. And this is the thing, like, th- this is roughly the path. And I would say don't take advantage of it. You know what I mean? Like, this has to be, a, right? you know, you have to put, like, your earnest best foot forward. And then you can... You can sort of live with the results. Yes. And then I'm going to, I didn't do this this weekend. And so I'm sorry, podcast listeners, it's going to be a lot less effective in terms of um, storytelling, but I want to just conclude with, with my process. And then I'm going to show you, I think in the scriptures, part of why I think the process is important and then give a completely different example. But um there's a lot more in the scriptures than the three words, love one another. Yeah. And part of being on the path is seeking out and searching for discernment. So uh, let me just go on and say that this estranged relationship is with a parental unit of mine. And so after a lot of community support, a lot of therapy, a lot of prayer, a lot of angst, a lot of trying. I've come to define this estrangement a little bit differently because I realized that at some point this isn't about love at all. I do love this person. So that's why it makes it painful. But I now then had to go to a different commandment, which is honor your mother and father so that it might go well for you and you might live long in the land. And I have, with a lot of help, come to believe that even the estrangement is not a reflection on honoring them, but that uh, my goal is to live a life so that a stranger would look at me and say, because a stranger would be the only one who doesn't know the real scoop on my family situation. A stranger would say, man, she did her parents proud. Yeah. And uh, so I use that illustration because I think the process of being on the path means that along the path you come to have different thoughts and people give you different insights and principles. And so... I tell that story to say that um, the path is a long and winding road. It isn't just about being right or being wrong, being good or being bad. Yeah, yeah. And I got that from this scripture. So I think this is the second chapter of 1 John. Yep. Um, Verse 24. As for you, what you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. Other translations say abide. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, 
abides in you, you will also abide, remain, in relationship to the Son and in the Father. So you're you're on the path. You're abiding. You're living in this active, dynamic relationship. You're on the path. Uh, it doesn't mean that we are inherently better or more truthful or more right or without making whoppers of mistakes. It means, quite simply, that we are on a path that chooses to look for the light. And in so doing, things that seem very light-filled to us 10 years ago might not be the okay choice now, right? Because we're growing up, we're relating, we're changing, we're getting more information. So that was the crux of uh, the message. Thoughts from your side of the podcast? Um, yeah, I mean, I... Um I mean, the concept of abide is a is a good one um, in terms of thinking through life and community, and I think that's kind of what you were describing in your story and why there was such emotionality with the crowd is like people have been with you for a long time, and so they've seen the process that you've been on and the journey you've been on for a long time, and they've seen that you have uh, remained uh planted in this community attempting to reflect God's image to the world around you over the course of a long period of time. Do you do that perfectly? No, because nobody does. But they recognize and see your work and your effort, but also just being planted in a place for a long period of time is, I think, roughly what it means to a to remain in God, to remain in God's life. I mean, this passage is talking about uh, remaining in the eternal life that God is drawing us into. Um, and so I think the consistency with which you've shown up and and been present and been willing to be honest about yourself and your own shortcomings um, and being willing to be held accountable and being willing to hold others accountable, I mean, all these things that we talk about in The Light Living, this is what you put on display day in and day out, and so, yeah, I think that you um, are, are an excellent example of what it means to abide. Now, well, I would well, put- I have, but so that that's really sweet. Thank you. But I think part of abiding means, and you said this, but I want to put a like a bold underlying highlight on it. When you abide in a community, like as a community, we abide. We know each other's limitations, and. Um, so that's part of abiding, and uh, that's really quite sweet. So um, using my example, um, it's also true that everybody's really clear about my limitations. Yeah. I mean, it, well, however, I would say that's what I would push back on. I don't think that your, um, I don't think that your example is actually... I don't think you've assessed the situation quite right for yourself. Tell me more. So I think... I didn't know a podcast was going to be a therapy session, but I'll take it. It's free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you may feel like I'm criticizing you, but... That's okay. um, It won't be the first hundredth time. Wow. (laughs) It's the way we roll. Um, I think... I think your life, is a, as I said, is a really good example of what it means to remain in God and to remain in God's life. 
I don't think that your estranged relationships with your family are really examples of this passage, nor do I think your relationship with your family is about, and the estrangement um, is really about honoring father and mother. Um, I Tell me th- what you think it is. That's interesting. Well, I think that and one of the things that we've talked about on prior podcasts is um, at some point, um, if if a series of circumstances is getting in the way of a person's ability to live out of their certain way of seeing, um, then those circumstances essentially represent a kind of darkness. And that kind of darkness is something that it's appropriate to reject so that you can remain living in the light, so that you can keep abiding. Yeah, I agree right? with, I would, and, I agree and with that, that. is, you know, to me... So, like, people freak out when Jesus says, if, if you don't, what is that passage? If you don't hate, hate your father, your, yeah, your mother, and, mother and your father. And your so, brothers and your sisters and your third cousin twice removed. <laughs> Essentially, what he's saying is, if you're unwilling to show allegiance to my way of being first, um, then you're not really following. And so he's not saying, literally, you must hate all the people you're close to. He's saying you must be willing to leave behind the things that pull you away from me. And in that particular case, the example happened to be a family. And so that's how I see it for you. I think that your example, um, I think the way in which it applies to the passage is a little more roundabout than how you presented it in the sense of, you have chosen to make God, you have chosen to pledge allegiance to God first. And, I mean, that's what Romans is all about. If right. you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Right. Right. I mean, that is what you have done with your life. You have treated Jesus as if he is your number one authority. And by virtue of that, you've had to be discerning at times about circumstances, people, places that might compromise that allegiance. And I think uh, being willing to give those things up, even though you feel love, is an example of what it means to remain. And um, well, I think that's, that's kind of how I see it. And yeah. I know you wouldn't say that for yourself, and part of that's because... Uh, you're you're too humble to talk about yourself as a positive uh, object lesson in that way, but that's how I see it from afar, and I thought that was worth. Thank I think you. that's worth sharing because I know that you would not feel comfortable looking at things that way, but I, I think it's helpful to have the outside perspective. Well, thanks. Um, the one thing that I would say about that is, as true as that is, I think it uncovers a a thing that's personally really hard for me, and that is um, to ever declare that there is darkness somewhere else that's pulling you away. Yep. Um, And so that's hard for me to say. Um, I do not deny the veracity of it. It's just hard for me to acknowledge. Um, And I think it's also really hard for me to acknowledge that... um, Abiding does sometimes mean 
exactly what happened in that example. So, you know, um, you always, you know, and think about the example, I, the, the way I told the story and the way I was thinking about it, which is, well, ultimately, this is how you can honor someone. Um, that is more palatable for me than to think that abiding also causes such pain. Yeah. And actually, it's it's both and. So so that's a good clarification. Thank you. That's a completely new insight for me. And I think uh, before you transition, um, you know, one of the things we've tried to do in this series is we've tried to help people see, like, we know we have a lot of people with a lot of spiritual anxiety or spiritual fear about, am I a person who's living in darkness? And we've said, it's harder than you would think to live in darkness because it means total opposition to God, and darkness is not making a mistake, right? It's right. like make, it's like living a lifestyle that is somehow opposed to God. Right. Now, um, that doesn't mean that living in the light is so easy either, right? Yeah. And that living in the light, um, being able to be a person who's willing to do critical self-reflection and accept the critical reflection of others on us and to be the types of people who can expose the things that we are ashamed of to light. Right. Those are profoundly difficult things. I mean, those are those are things that require a deep, deep level of vulnerability and a deep humility. And um, that is what I see in you. And well, you. I've seen you do it over the course of a really long period of time. And I've seen a lot of changes in you from you know, who you were when I was a child to who you are today. And um, it's just, it's it's amazing. And I think that's the heart of, that's the heart of remaining. You do difficult work over the long period of time. And that way, when you get to a point where you have to make a difficult decision between legitimately two options, either this path or that path, and they're opposites, a lot of times that's not the case in life. We think we're choosing between two opposite paths when really there's dozens of exa- dozens of other paths we could take. In your case, there's really two paths. And um, I think because you did such a good job abiding uh, for all that time, I think that you have made the right choice for yourself. But I also respect the humility to say, this might not be the right choice. Yeah. And well, I think and that I, is the essence <clears throat> of living in the light, which is you're you're willing to do that. You're willing to continue to critically reflect. Well, and I did get a very critical email about my message. Oh, really? Yeah, I would consider it hate mail. Wow, I, I want to hear more about that later. We probably shouldn't do that here. <clears throat> I'm just willing to say, I got hate mail about. It. Okay. Um, because they thought that you, you there is no way that. A per, uh, uh, basically, they were feeding into my worst fear mm. that a good Christian could love everyone no matter what. I see. Yes, well. So thank you for the words of affirmation. I'll accept them today after the hate mail. Yeah, well, I'll, I don't want to touch that, you know. <laughs> but let's press on. <laughs> so uh, I went on and had another example <laughs> that was a little less uh, hate maily. I didn't get any hate maily about this one. But I was making the point. Stay composed. Stay composed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Stay on track. Uh, okay. However, if you'd like to respond to this person's hate mail. No, 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 no. <laughs> I can give you their email address. Yeah. Um, 
So we're in the light. Can you get hate mail about love? Yes, you can. (laughs) You absolutely can get hate mail about love. That's hilarious. Um, So, um, but I didn't even know who this person was. Oh, interesting. So that makes it more interesting. Well, all right. Um, So um, we're in the light when we have the desire to conform our life to the will of God and not the dictates of our urgings, urges and compulsions. So remember we talked about urges and compulsions as loving the world mm-hmm. and that hating the world was making the disciplined effort to conform our life to the will of God. Well, no, that's not what hating the world is. What did I say? Oh, wait, wait. No, I'm so sorry. I think I heard, I think I, I think I misheard. Uh, let's do that again. Okay. Well, now I feel uh, performance anxiety. No, I, I, that was my bad. I'm going to have to cut this out. No, you just keep it, because I love it when your mistakes come out on podcasts. But, um, okay, I, I'll, I'll leave it in there. I, I'm, I'm, I apologize to you and the listeners. I think I misheard, but can you say it again just in case? We are in the light when we have the desire to conform our life to the will of God. And we, um, we are uh, loving the world when... <laughs> We uh, follow the dictates of our urgings, urges and compulsions. Yes. So hating the world right. is not following the dictates of our urges and compassions. <laughs> compulsions. Compulsions. Um, urges and compulsions. Yes, but uh, just to be clear, it's yeah, not just— Yeah, restate it because I messed well, that up. No, 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 you didn't. Um, that it's not just chasing an urge here or there or a compulsion here or there. It's Correct. To, it's to be a person who, who pursues pleasure and urges above all else, yes. right? So that, so that you, are, you are pledging allegiance to pleasure rather than God. Right. Which right. is the American way, let me just say. Yeah, it is the American way, and it doesn't really, it's not looking too good for us right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good look. So I gave an example of having a partner who finds something about you unpleasant, shall we say. Okay. Um, And so uh, it doesn't have to be horrible. You know, it doesn't have to be catching you looking at porn. But it is something that makes him uncomfortable. Okay. Um, Your dad might say that sometimes I take a a tone with him that he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's talking about, but anyway. I've got a um, guess. But if your spouse finds something about you unpleasant, like your dad says to me, hey, when you're irritated with me, I don't really, I'm not really crazy about your tone. <laughs> um, I've heard these conversations before. I know. Usually they appear in the car when I'm trying to not get us all killed. Mm-hmm. Um, but because... Because of being people who have this certain way of seeing and we're pursuing this path of light, we actually listen to our partner when they tell us about this unpleasant thing. Yep. And we don't just automatically deny the reality of it. So your dad says to me, yeah, I really don't like your tone. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not aware of my tone. So I say back to him. Screw you. No, I don't. That's living in the dark. Mm -hmm. That would be following my urge. Mm -hmm. 
Instead, I say, hey, since I'm not aware of it, could you please point it out to me when I do it so that I can figure this out? So because dad is not asking me to do something that's immoral, illegal, or fattening, I really listen to his feedback. And I choose out of love to really think about that thing that he has told me is unpleasant. Um, Now, if I say to dad, screw you, that's just the way I am, and you're a terrible driver and you scare me sometimes, then that's an example of not living in fellowship with one another, which is not like-like. That is really... And if you do it persistently, consistently, all the time, relentlessly, that is how you live in hostility towards God as it's lived out in relationship with other people. Mm -hmm. Because living in the light means we value relationships. Now, having that all said, we have habits that are hard to break, and evidently my tone is hard to break. So I slip up and use that tone, and Dad says to me, there you go again, using that tone. And then, as a person who's trying to live in the light, it is incumbent upon me to say, you're right, I messed up. I am so sorry. I need help with this tone. I need to try to make this right. I am owning it. Um, That is light-like living. And man, I wish I did that all the time. But the fact that sometimes he tells me that my tone is bad and I get snippy in return does not mean I'm living in the dark. It means that I'm continuing to mess up. Right. So that's the key. A person in the darkness always says, persistently says, has a habitual way of relating to people that says, that's just the way I am, like it or lump it. Because when we do that, what we're saying is that um, what we do doesn't matter, and we don't have to think about our behaviors towards others. Right. So that's the indicator of the light. It's that we wrestle and struggle and continue to reflect in ourselves. It's not a certain behavior, but it's a willingness to examine every behavior thought and feeling because we care about being people of the light. And that's what remaining is. Yeah, and I think, I mean, this is, I think you're right, and I don't have anything necessarily to add. Um, I don't have anything to add. What I would what I would say that may be worth time, um, some time, in a, maybe on a different message in a different time and place, but is... Um, you know, when you're talking about a relationship with somebody and living in the light and being willing to be challenged and taking it seriously, like that's always a bit of a negotiation. Like a person can have a complaint about you that's wrong. Right. Um, and so that's something to be discerned and negotiated. And you may, I mean, if this is something that's coming up like repeatedly, you may need to bring in an outside party. Right. Um, to have a conversation about whether or not that's the case. And um, and I think even just being willing to work through that, even if the even if you believe the other person to be wrong, is is still a way of living in the light, of saying, I'll consider it. 
and we'll get the help that we need to figure out what's going on here. Well, that's so interesting that you brought that up. So I can add a little special piece of information to this that I didn't get into this weekend, which was as we have continued to have this discussion about my tone, Mm -hmm. what we have discovered over time is that, yes, sometimes I take a tone, but what we've also discovered is that your dad is pretty sensitive to feeling like he's done something wrong. Yep. And so, again, this is another example of abiding and being on the path and just taking those steps. And over the course of time, more stuff is revealed. Yep. And so I quite am grateful for this life where more stuff gets revealed. And um, it's an exciting way to live. It is. And I love it so much. It's also frustrating at times. Very frustrating. Oh, man, I'm knocking stuff all over the place. I was putting my Bible back on the desk, which was an iPad. Knocked the microphone. Ruined the vibes. Oh, man. What are we going to do? What a disappointment. I guess what we can do is take solace in the music that we're hearing. Is it still coming from... um, Blue Dot Sessions? Yes. Which can be found on the web at Mm sessions.blue. That's not the only place you want want to visit on the web, though. It's not, but were we really done? I was getting the impression that you were winding down because I saw you close your computer and kind of... I'm completely done. You're completely done. All right. My throat hurts. I need to go... Take a throat lozenge. <laughs> the other, the other place you can uh, you can visit on the web is leadthewayrva.org. Uh, we have a campaign going on for Richmond. We are um, asking for the help of local businesses to spread the word about uh, substance use disorder, and um, we are looking for partners to help us battle it. And you can learn more on that website or by getting in touch by sending either of us an email at um, scott at northstarcommunity.com or teresa at northstarcommunity.com. We really appreciate you listening. We appreciate your support, and we will talk to you soon.